Hey guys, I'm Eric McLean. And I'm Kelly Gramlich. It's time to talk some ACC football. Let's go. Happy Thursday, everyone. Welcome into the Gramlick and McLean podcast brought to you by Duke's Mayo. We are into the thick of it of our ACC under review series. We've talked about Pittsburgh. We've talked about Wake Forest. We've talked about Clemson. Go listen to those. And now today, Mac, we are talking about the NC State Wolfpack and your BFF Tuffy who you had a good time with, and he scratched you. <laughs> we are very excited to talk some NC State today. That's right. My friend Tuffy, super excited. I can't believe that, you know, I'm thinking back on our interview, that I didn't bring that up. That, that was such a miss by no. me. Uh, but we'll get to that in a second, guys. Uh, as KG, that's right. It's it's PTSD. I don't want to think of the the gashes all over my hand and the, uh, the attack from that pretty little dog there. Um, but as KG said, we're, we're right in the middle of our ACC under review. We've had so much fun with these and, and really got great feedback from you guys, and, and we appreciate that. We're going to be diving into each and every ACC school, talking about their 21 football season. And as you already know, we're going to be talking with writers, reporters, radio folks that cover your team. It's going to be so much fun. But KG, before we jump into this NC State episode, let's tell our listeners about our great partner. Duke's Mayo. They sponsor this podcast. They are all over the college football world. And really what we need to get into is what they do, which is their mayos, their Southern sauces, their mustards. So good. Duke's has that twang, that little Southern something that elevates food from good to downright ridiculous. Over the past 100 years, Duke's has continued to cultivate and celebrate its commitment to family recipes and bold Southern flavors. Duke's offers flavored mayonnaise, regionally inspired Duke Southern sauces, the Carolina Gold, Nick put on some wings recently, so good, and the mustards. The Chipotle mustard, I'll say it, Mac, has changed my life. I absolutely love it on all my sandwiches. (laughs) Come on, KG. You you talk about that uh, Carolina Gold. Listen, barbecue, chicken, wings, ribs. Whatever you want to do, it, it's so good. It honestly, that's my favorite barbecue sauce. And I think you know, growing yes. up in the Carolinas and born in Alabama, been in Tennessee for a lot of years, you know, I, I've had my fair share of the different barbecues. I've had the red, I've had the vinegar, the Carolina Gold. There's nothing mm-hmm. that comes close to it, guys. It, it is the absolute best, and Duke's has mastered it. It's even better. The thick, creamy texture of this mayo, trusted since 1917. But as I've said time and time again, my favorite thing outside of the twang is the creativity. Hint of lime, bacon, tomato, habanero, garlic, cucumber, dill, fire roasted red pepper. Are you kidding me, KG? All these flavors, so fantastic. Grab you a jar, grab you some bread, meat optional, lettuce, tomato, whatever you need. Throw it on and you have a killer sandwich. Y'all check these out. Head over to dukesmayo.com. Embrace the new flavors. Same old twang. But KG, let's get into it. This episode, we are breaking down the Wolfpack season with one of the best in the Carolinas, our guy, Joe Giglio. If if you're an NC State fan or in the Raleigh-Durham area, you have probably heard Joe on 99.9 The Fan, or you've seen him on TV, WRAL-TV. Joe also has a podcast, Pack Therapy, where he breaks down all things NC State. You can also find Joe on Twitter at Giglio underscore OG. But for now... Let's get to our conversation about the pack with one of the experts, Joe Giglio. 
Joe G, welcome into the podcast, my man. Thank you so much for joining us today. The Wolfpack, the AP poll just came out. They finished 20th. Are you kidding me? With the disrespect, man, it just continues. I know Coach Doran is going to love that going into the offseason. Yeah, but I think 20 is pretty good, uh, all things considered, especially where they started the season. Um, obviously, they missed out on the chance in the bowl game to really impress voters. Uh, you know, that's, that UCLA game would have been primetime. Fox would have been the night by themselves. So that's the missed opportunity there. Uh, but nine and three, number 20, second time under Dave Doran, only the third time since 2010 that they finished the season in the top 25. So these are all good things for NC State. Yeah, no doubt, Joe. And it, I think 20 seems low when you look at it, but you're right. Because they didn't get to play UCLA, that really hurt them. And I want to talk about that because I know you were someone who was on Twitter and, and breaking some of the news. And I know that you also covered what happened with the NC State baseball team in Omaha. And, and these NC State fans are just so triggered by this. And they should be because it's terrible luck. Can you walk us through what you know um, and what you heard about exactly what happened with that situation in San Diego? Because I've heard a bunch of different things. What do you know? Can you tell us kind of exactly what happened? I think NC State was frustrated that UCLA participated in all of the events in the run-up to the game and didn't really give any indication that this was a possibility. Um, you know, everyone's learning through the pandemic, but I think it's fair to say at this point, uh, you should probably should handle it closer to what Texas A&M did or even LSU. You know, Texas A&M didn't play the game but said it eight days in advance, hey, we're not going to be able to play. Uh, LSU basically said, hey, we've got 35, 40 guys. There's no guarantee we're going to have enough defensive linemen or offensive linemen to do this. I think NC State just wanted a little bit more of communication from UCLA. That didn't happen. Uh, so they were frustrated by that. Then obviously Dave Doran made the comments that he did and you know, trying to claim the 10th game, but nothing wrong with claiming the trophy. Um, but... I think it was more of a frustration level of being out there, seeing UCLA at the different events, even having um, Chip Kelly make the comment that he did about, oh, if we have 11 guys, we'll play, which obviously, did, you know, sounded like bravado from the jump. Um, so I think that was the frustration. And obviously, you know, Dave and, and Elliot Avent, the baseball coach at NC State, have a have a good relationship. I think some of Dave's frustration also stemmed from how the NCAA handled the baseball situation. We can't blame the NCAA for the Holiday Bowl. They don't, they don't control the Holiday Bowl. This was more of direct your anger at UCLA for their lack of communication. Yeah, and it just it's so unfortunate, man, because you've got some seniors, you've got some guys that that was their last go-round. That was their last time you know, with their brothers, and, and it was ripped away from them. Can't imagine what that feels like, but let's focus on the positive because this NC State team had an unbelievable year. Nine, ten wins, however you want to look at it. Uh, and, and just really give us your overall, uh, you, you know, just view of this season, the things they're able to do to beat Clemson, to, you know, really get get themselves in a situation, uh, you know, to fight for for an ACC championship. Uh, just, just overall your thoughts on 21 for the pack. Yeah, I, I think ultimately it goes down as a positive and a really good season. Um, and there was some left out there for them, obviously, with the Wake Forest loss and, 
if you want to talk about respect and, and which was one of Dave Doran's sticking points this year, you have to go back to that Mississippi State game. Um, you know, those are the kind of games that you have to win for people other than you and Kelly who pay close attention to ACC football. You know, they, they just kind of drop in and, and they'll catch national games and SEC, ACC matchups and go, oh, well, NC State must not be any good. So I think they had some opportunities that they missed, but I think you do have to focus on the ones that they hit. Uh, if you would have told NC State in the preseason, hey, you're going to be Clemson and you're going to be Carolina, who were preseason top 10 teams. I think most people would have taken that. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you know, and it, look, the way that they beat Carolina, you mentioned there were some seniors who didn't get a chance to play in their last bowl game. Emeka Amezi is a kid who, you know, his last game now is a win over Carolina where he scored two touchdowns, 26 seconds apart, and he's forever a part of that rivalry. Um, so that's actually not the worst way to go. So I think when you ultimately look at this season, you look at it and you go, there were some missed opportunities, but beating Clemson for the first time since 2011 was huge. And then beating Carolina in the way that they did, um, you know, if they lose that game to Carolina, which they were uh, an onside kick away from losing the game, you, you, now you're going to spend the whole off season again hearing about Mac Brown and hearing about Carolina and, and Carolina would have been seven and five. And who knows if they win their bowl game. And after that, they go eight and five and all of a sudden they're state champions again. And, and we all know how that works with Mac Brown. I'm not accusing him of anything other than being really good, a really good communicator. And he is, he's, a, he's an excellent promoter of his program. And that's what NC state would have been facing all off season without that win. So that win was really, really important. You add it together nine and three, add them all up to nine and three. I think ultimately you look at it and you go, that was a really good season. And then, of course, it also it was built off of the 2020 season, right? The pandemic and nothing was expected of this team. And now it almost feels like uh, the Godfather trilogy. Uh, you're getting to the chapter three now because it's really going to be the same group next year. And the question is, maybe not God, maybe it's uh, Star Wars, the original Star Wars. <laughs> Maybe it's Rocky. Rocky Three was pretty good. Now, you don't want it to be Godfather Three. That's true. That's true. <laughs> you want that third chapter to somehow be the best chapter, uh, and that could be difficult. We know that. But you look at a, a program like Wake Forest, who they fell short against, and I thought a lot of Wake Forest's success this year was predicated on having a group back and focused on a goal. And I, I think NC State can use a lot of that same motivation for this season. No doubt. And if you don't win that Carolina game, you're probably not. If the UCLA game gets canceled, you're probably not ranked in the final AP poll. So that game turned out to be yeah. huge. There's no doubt about it, especially um, with, you know, your neighbors in the triangle. I was at the Clemson game, Joe, and I was in the stands and uh, I stood there because I couldn't get out of the stands and just watched the field be rushed. And it was a crazy game. I, it was just absurd. No, Cole, they were meeting at the Wolf Ears. They weren't rushing the field. Oh, yeah, of course, of course. Yeah, 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 yeah. Look, yeah. I'm someone who, this is a hot take. Come, come, come on, on. you got to give me one. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm sure Matt disagrees, and I'm sure I'll get dragged for this. I think the gathering at the Paw is is so stupid. But anyway, let's move on. Um, so, and I know but it's I'm the other way. way. I actually love it. I love that they do it every oh. game. I don't know. I don't, I don't love it. Anywho, you had the field rush and, and it was a great game. But I, I saw the T-shirts afterwards. I saw the textile bullet shirts and, and everything. And I saw the, the momentum that that win gave to NC State. So uh, can, you, can you quantify, I mean, how much did that win mean to NC State? And, and how much did it catapult them into the rest of their season? 
Yeah, I, I think the most important part of it, Kelly, was just getting past Clemson, right? Because 2016, it, listen, we, we'll we talk forever about Kyle Bambard and the missed kick from 2016 and the opportunity that was there for NC State. We don't talk as much about 17, and it, it's crazy to think of it in this way because Clemson made the playoff and won the ACC, but 17 was an air quotes down year for Clemson, and that was probably Dave... It might go down as Dave Doran's best chance to win the ACC championship. I don't know. We'll see. Um, but they had that game in 17, too. So there was a mental hurdle there against Clemson. And to win the game the way that they did in overtime, to win the game after missing the kick, you know, this crazy sense of deja vu, this makeable kick that they that Chris Dunn, who's been just the polar opposite of all the kickers that came before him, uh, he's really been a, a stabilizing force. And for him to miss that kick was devastating. Uh, but unlike the game in Death Valley, and Clemson scored on their first possession too in overtime, NC State didn't give up. They, they, didn't, they didn't stop playing. And they didn't just sit there and go, oh, woe was us, we missed the kick. They didn't say, I'll let you beep it. They didn't say, oh, NC State shit gets us again. You know, it's like, uh, they, they just, they missed the kick. They moved on. Devin Leary made some really good plays in overtime. Devin Carter made an outstanding catch in overtime. And they end up winning the game. And then I'll tell you the biggest postscript to that was winning the next week. Because we've seen that before with NC State. When they get those big wins, they tend to follow it up with, oh, wow, we just we just won the Super Bowl. Well, no, you got to play again next week. So I think that was really important for NC State, too. Not only to have the success, but to show that they can handle the success. I agree with you. And, and the fact that, you know, they were sleepwalking a little bit in that game. It, it wasn't, uh, you know, a guaranteed victory in, at any point throughout there, but they got it done, as you said. And they found a way to win. And then moving on, we saw what we did. You mentioned Devin Leary, a, a guy that has been underrated, undervalued. I don't want to say disrespected because this is the deepest league in quarterback play in the entire country. But I think undervalued is fair to say he's balling. I mean, w- when we talked to his teammates, when we talked about, you know, why are you guys confident in this? Why are you feel good about this? They say without hesitation, Devin Leary, because Devin Leary's on the field, because he is such a special player. We know that if we're down with 20 seconds to go, he's going to lead us down the field and we can score. What have you seen from him from a leadership perspective this season and the steps that he has maybe taken that ultimately lead to the on-field success that was just unbelievable this past season? Yeah, it's crazy to think that Devin's going into his fifth season at NC State, but last year was the first one where he was healthy and able to start and finish the whole season. And I think you just saw a natural progression building off of some big moments in 2020, the pit game in particular. You, you know, there were some glimpses there where you said, okay, this guy can really do this. And then I thought getting back to that Clemson win, when he made those plays the way that he did after getting pressured and 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 hit the way that he did against Clemson. Well, that was a clear signal to his team too. Like, hey, just stick with me. I, I, I'll make I'll make enough plays if you if you can keep me upright. And I thought that's I thought that carried over. He had that stretch during the season where he didn't throw an interception for five or six games, and you're like, wow, what what is going on here? He he's really just dialed in. And I think that's a natural progression, right? You have a kid who's a four star recruit. You know, Penn State wanted him at the last minute, and Eli Drinkwitz had to like beg, borrow, and steal to get him to NC State. And that first year, he sits and learns from Ryan Finley, which was a great experience for him. The next year, they, you know, everybody 
kind of sort of wanted him to be the starter, but they had Matt McKay, they had Bailey Hockman. He ends up by the end of the year getting some valuable experience, but they were all losses. So not, I wouldn't put any of them on him. I mean, they were in a situation where they're throwing on every down, no run game whatsoever. And that 19 season was a mess. 20, he starts the year with the coat with COVID and misses a month of practice, then misses the first two games he can't start in. And then, of course, plays, shows the glimpses that he does, and then breaks his leg. So I think the most important thing for Devin Leary last year was to be able to just have a soup to nuts season where he showed you all of the things that he could do. And to your point about Eric, about the respect, I think, and, and this is my pet theory, I think because he can't run or he doesn't run. We now have a different view of quarterbacks who can't run or don't run. We tend to dock them for not being able to run. Think about what a mind twist that is. Right. <laughs> you know, when we're all growing up, it was the only way to play in the NFL is to be this, you know, pocket passer, stay in the pocket, be tall, be this, be that. That's what Devin Leary is. He's a classic pocket passer. But Russell Wilson, Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, you know, all of these different quarterbacks have Tim Tebow have changed. Robert Griffin III have changed all of the ways that we view the position. And so Brennan Armstrong is a shiny object. Sam Howell, these are all good players. I'm not saying shiny in a bad way or derogatory way. Sam Howell is a season you're like, wow, he was really, Kenny Pickett, a Heisman finalist. You know, we're going to remember the fake slide probably more than any of his touchdown passes. <laughs> so when you have this quarterback who's mobile, we now grade you on a different curve. And I, I think the most important thing for um, Devin this offseason is really not to become a runner, but to look at what Kenny Pickett did, because Kenny was given my I was told by an NFL source, Kenny Pickett was given a fifth round grade after the 2020 season. And he decided instead of being a fifth round pick, he's going to come back to school. Devin, and he comes back to school, leads his team to the ACC championship. He's a Heisman finalist, had an outstanding season, showed a mastery of that offense. That was year five for Kenny Pickett, but he actually played in all five of those seasons. This is now year five for Devin Leary. He was given a fifth round grade, I was told. And instead of going into the NFL draft, which he could have, it's not a deep, not a deep year for quarterbacks. Who knows what would have happened when he worked out. Uh, but instead of doing all of that, he came back and now he's in year five. And he should sh now as a full-time starter for the second straight year and starting experience in four years, he should show a mastery of an offense. He should be able to take another step and he should use Kenny Pickett as that example, because we're going to see Kenny Pickett go in the first 15 picks or 20 picks of the NFL draft. And that's a great template. And if I'm Dave Doran, you know, I'm, I'm calling, I'm calling Mark Whipple and saying, Hey man, what, what can you tell me? How, how do I go <laughs> a little bit here? So I just think it's a great situation, uh, a long way to answer your question about Devin. Yeah. Uh, just a great, that's the progression that we all love to see out of college players. And we don't necessarily get to see it anymore. Right. Because of the way the transfer portal works and because of the way eligibility works and because of the way, if a guy has an outstanding season, someone's in their ear telling them, oh, go, go pro. Sure. Uh, so uh, I, I think that's that's the thing you're hanging your hat on if you're NC State, that you have this guy coming back for, ne for next season. Right. And, and I think one comparison that that's maybe even makes, you know, more sense. Sure, certainly both five-year guys, okay, Kenny Pickett, what he did this year, Devin, what he can do next year. I think the even more important one is 
They're going into year three, or he's going into year three with Beck. That is when you start to see that mastery. That's when you start to see, okay, I have total ownership of this offense. And we saw it a little bit this year. He, he had an unbelievable season. But to be able to go through his progressions, one, two, three, four, run or check down, that's when you're going to see, I think, another level to this thing. And you know, it, it's going to be hard to top 35 touchdowns, five interceptions. But if there's a guy that can do it, I, I think that he might be the one to take this next really, really big step. So, KG, it's going to be fascinating to see you know, what he's able to do. No doubt. Joe, that, that's a great comparison. I, enjoy, I hadn't really thought about Pickett and Leary and the, um, the symmetry there, but that's a great point. And, and Leary is someone who is seen in the ACC as a good, solid quarterback and should probably be seen as more. And that's kind of how Pickett was. I mean, Pickett had good numbers. He just couldn't put the ball in the end zone. And then, so, so we'll see with Leary. And we'll get to that with um, some projections in just a second later on in, the, in this interview. But I want to talk about the run game. You mentioned the run game. And I thought this year one of the more disappointing things in a very good year for NC State was at times it felt like they abandoned the run and couldn't really be consistent with the run. And you have a guy like Big Icky on your O-line who's, who's going to be an NFL superstar. So is that another next step for them? Do you feel like having a more consistent run game in 22 is important? And maybe some of that is with Devin Leary, to your point? You know, I waffle back and forth on this with NC State's run game. Um, I thought they should have been better last year. The, the Wake Forest game in particular was the one that cost them because like everybody and their mother figured out a way to run on Wake Forest other than NC State. That being said, I, they had talented running backs. I thought they had a, injuries caught up to them a little bit on the offensive line. I thought uh, if we're being fair and some criticism here, I think with Tim Beck, sometimes there was a tendency to to find number 79 and say, oh, that's where they're running. Sometimes that's the way football works. Um, so I think there were some issues there that they tried to get out of some of those patterns. You know, a lot of first down runs behind Icky cost them, I thought, early in the season. This is a long way of saying, I know you have to be able to run the football to win. But I thought when Leary was really cooking, that's when this was a team that would have like five minutes and you'd be like, where'd the offense go? And then Leary would make a play or Devin Carter would make a play or, or they would ignore or Mecca Amezi. Cause you went to the Clemson game, Kelly, and you were probably like, Oh, they do this every game with a Mezzi. No. <laughs> so <Right>. only in their best games. <laughs> so for me, for me, it was, there's a little bit of feeling out in terms of, okay, what, and, and not everything's going to work every game, right? You have to be able to do different things. And, I just thought the run game, that was disappointing, given Bam Knight and Ricky Person's talent. Now, both of them are gone. They're going to have to replace them. They have some players um, on the roster who they like, um, but that might be a transfer portal issue, or it might be um, you, you, maybe there's somebody new that they brought in who they like that much. I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see. That's the big question mark, what they do with the run game. Uh, but to, to answer your question holistically, I thought they were too – I thought they were too predictable in the run game, uh, particularly early in the season. It was, okay, let's just run behind Icky. Uh, I thought the best game that they were able to run the football actually was the Louisiana Tech game. Uh, they kind of traded some paint, and then in the second half of that game was when they were able to really get their run game going, and that's when I thought NC State was their most effective. It's, it, it's the old cliche. You, you pass the ball to set up the run, and I think – when NC State does that, they put themselves in a, in a position for success 
But otherwise, there are times where you're like they're banging their head against the wall or, or, or they run too much on first down and you're like, yeah, if I could figure that out, then the defensive coordinator probably figured that out. <laughs> well, I think what you said is exactly true. And especially when you have such a great quarterback like Leary is, that's what you have to do. Open, open the run game by throwing it all over them. Make them get into more of zone drops. Make them get into even a man-to-man look. And then let's run it. Let's run it right down their throat. So I think that's the, the adjustments that you know will have to be made. And it, it's funny that this keeps coming back to Pitt. That's exactly what they struggled with a year ago, the run game. They had none. They all relied on Kenny. And then we saw it be very complimentary this year and the success that everybody was able to have. So as eerie as this is comparing this to, to Pittsburgh, it is you know kind of interesting that a lot of things are, are very similar. Let's look at this defense, man, because not only was it one of the best in the league, maybe one of the best in the country this year, next year I think it has a real chance to be the best in the ACC. When you see all the guys coming back, uh, sp- specifically looking at that linebacker unit, I thought was going to be one of the best in the country this year. Obviously, two guys in Peyton and Isaiah go down with injury, uh, and, and Drake steps up immensely, but they're all coming back. What do you expect to see from this unit in 22? I think if you're NC State, you want to see – you had a premier playmaker in 2020 in Peyton in Peyton Wilson. And he was a guy who was a difference maker. Not that those other players weren't good in 2020, but Peyton was a true difference maker. And when he got injured against Mississippi state, I thought the team reacted adversely. I thought they looked at that when a guy like that, who's played through, he played the last game against Georgia tech in 2020 with two separated shoulders. So when a guy like that can't finish a game, I think your teammates, they, they react to that and they're like, something's wrong. And I thought they played that way and I thought it cost them the game. The way that they reacted after that point, first, Isaiah Moore was outstanding. To me, he was the best defensive player in the ACC for a five-game stretch. I agree. We, we named him. We named him midseason defensive player of the year and then he got hurt. He was, now, he took it upon himself as a leader of that team. Like, to play and make plays and make a difference, not just be a good player, but to be a difference maker. Then he gets hurt against Miami and you're going the same thing. I thought, Oh boy, Drake Thomas then steps into that Mike role and you're going, no, wait a second. He's doing the same thing that Peyton did the year before. Now Peyton plays on the outside, but that Isaiah just did. And now he's doing it. Sometimes we get crazy in baseball. And we think, well, we're going to get uh, A-Rod, Jason Giambi, and um, some other, you know, pay someone else $40 million, Johnny Damon. And they're all going to hit 50 home runs, and they're all going to hit 350. It doesn't work that way. There's only one guy who can make a play at a time. But I think if you're NC State and you can get those three guys to be difference makers at the same time, wow, that that's big time. And, you know, as you know, Eric, that don't – Linebackers can only make plays if the defensive line in front of them allows them to sure. make plays. Yep. And so you want to see and Corey Durden was outstanding last year. He's back. I mean, that, that's one of the biggest returns. And I'm I don't even know at this point how he got another year. I don't think anybody wants to know. They just they just are excited that he's allowed to come back. Um, because I can't keep track of anybody's eligibility clock. I think both of you guys probably are owed a year. At we, we still have a year. Them. Yeah, we have a year. We can come back. Falski, <laughs> no, but you guys, yes. <laughs> um, so Corey coming back, that's huge. 
But you want to see something now. Taking a half a step back, NC State, 17, 18, 9 and 3 teams really pushed Clemson, had good teams. They were able to recruit in those two years and see some of these players, Peyton Wilson, Drake Thomas, Bam Knight. Those are all guys they got in that crop. They also got a bunch of guys on the defensive line who we quite haven't quite seen yet take that jump. And I think those are the guys that NC State really wants to see mature to a point now where they are they are difference makers and they are making the kind of plays. And I think that's the next step for the defense. Uh, I thought Tariq Pitts, I thought he was all ACC. I don't think he ended up being all ACC. He was really good on the outside as a corner. I thought Tanner Ingle, man, after a really, really, really difficult 2020, where you, I'm sitting here going, I, I asked Dave Thorne about three or four different times, like, what kind of conversations have you had to, with Tanner to explain to him that he has to be on the field and he can't play the game like it's 1989 anymore? Right. Like, burn his Ronnie Lott tapes because <laughs> he just can't play that way anymore. And to his credit, to Tanner Ingle's credit, he was outstanding. Uh, I think he had one late hit penalty on a sideline, but it wasn't uh, targeting. He he didn't end up missing any time this year. Uh, and, and really in a circumstance where, again, all these other players are going out, he, he was one of the guys. Him and Drake Thomas, by the end of the year, they made so many plays. It's such a difference maker. Uh, and, and that's, a, again, that's the kind of maturation we love to see from college athletes that that's what you want to see that, that you, you know, you flash as a freshman. Uh, maybe you show some more potential as a sophomore. Maybe one of those years is a, is a difficult year, but the way he bounced back last year, you, I just, I can't say enough good things about what Tanner Ingle did last season to show the maturity and the development that he did. I want to look ahead. And this is something that, and Matt can back me up. I have been somewhat of an NC state stand. I don't know how this has happened with a lot of our guests saying, NC State should be the favorite in the Atlantic. When you look at all that they're returning, the fact that they beat Clemson last year, and the Clemson has some question marks, and with the new coordinators and all that stuff. So, Joe, on uh, January 13th, I I'm not asking you to tell me exactly who you're voting for in July, but should NC State be the favorite in the Atlantic? I I'm always going to default to Clemson, uh, I especially if they change their quarterback. I'm not worried this year about the – I think long-term, you lose a guy like Brent Venables, I think that's a concern. But I think they're probably going to run a lot of the same stuff. Uh, I'm not necessarily concerned. And, and here's why I'm actually uh, – here's truly. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm, not being a, uh, I'm not pushing anyone's buttons. I watched that Georgia game against Alabama, and I thought to myself, that doesn't look like much of the football I watched this year. Georgia was ridiculous on defense. Alabama had – pockets of guys where you're like this is especially when you consider some of Alabama's injuries then I started looking at Georgia's schedule and I'm going well who who gave Georgia a game last year but Clemson's defense in that game other than not scoring a touchdown was every bit as good as Georgia's defense and that's when they were all healthy and now I, you guys can give me more of who's not who's not coming back for Clemson who is but I think more of those injured players, Brzee in, in particular to me, is just such a difference maker. And I think here's the thing, too, and I'm big on this. Not to not to look, my alma mater is NC State. Your alma mater is Clemson, <laughs> right? 
That's okay. correct. Everyone knows. They know. Hey, they know. They know the orange glasses are on. <laughs> no, no, it's not even that. It's not even that. Think of it this way. You're both, you're both accomplished athletes. Sure. If somebody tells you no, or if somebody starts doubting you. We turn up. That's just what we do. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of people are going to spend this off season and say, some people, most, some people will say NC State. Some people will say Wake Forest based on what they just did. Some people are going to say Miami. I think Max on the Miami bandwagon right now. Um, <laughs> TVD, baby, look out. <laughs> We're back. The U is back. <laughs> they could be. But here's the thing. I think, I think a lot of people, not you guys, but I think a lot of people are forgetting the players who were hurt for Clemson, especially on the defense. And I think they're forgetting about that first game. Like, I, I go back to that first game. And I, you know what? I'll give Dabo credit, too, this year. Didn't have an ACC championship really to play for the last five, six weeks of the season. Didn't have the playoffs to play for after the pit loss. And what they win? Their last seven games? Yeah, last six. I mean, that's really impressive. For a program to not fold up the way that they did uh, says a lot about those players. And again, now I'm assuming most of them will be back. Um, Dabo doesn't need my help. But I think, uh, and I'll, I won't even guess at the kid's name. I can't remember off the top of my head. But and I'm not trying to blame Uwe Ungalale for last season. But it was, it's so hard. Uh, it's just so hard to go from things we know at NC State. You got Phillip Rivers. And it's like, well, you're just going to get another one of those, right? That, that's, that's how it works. You get one of them and they just, you just roll them in. And it's, uh, it always worked that way. That's right. So, it was so incredible for Clemson to have Trevor Lawrence to follow up Deshaun Watson. Like these are things in retrospect you look at and you you know you're like, wow, that was amazing. It's for NC State, you're like, wait, we had Philip Rivers, and then a couple of years later we had Russell Wilson. Wow, like how did that happen? And sometimes you have to have a Jay Davis, a Marcus Stone. Sometimes you have to have a Kelly Bryant and DJ Uyunglele who are who are fine. They're they're perfectly acceptable but they're just not that tippy top guy. And I, I thought that was one of the big adjustments that uh, Clemson struggled with this year. I, I, I suspect the next five-star guy is probably ready to go. Um, we'll see. But I think ultimately this offseason, to get back to your original question, when you doubt people in, in a program like Clemson, I, I would assume that serves as motivation. Now, NC State, when you have as many players back as they do, Sometimes you could use the people are paying attention to you. Now you want to prove them right. Sometimes you can use that. Uh, And it is a veteran group. It's not like, you know, other than the running back position, you're really talking about the same exact team. So it's possible that Dave Doran, who who I thought did a great job last year about the respect issue, he used that. Now the question is this offseason, can he use it the other way? It's going to be fascinating, man. I I cannot wait to see it. I, I think 22 is going to be a massive year for the ACC. You just look at quarterback play. You look at all the talent coming back. You look at Wake, NC State, Clemson. I'll throw Boston College in there on the Atlantic side of just what they are bringing back. It it should be fantastic. But Joe, this was so much fun, man. Thank you for your time. We appreciate having you and just helping us look at uh, ACC, uh, NC State under review. We really appreciate your time. You got it, guys. Appreciate you having me on. Man, 
Guys, that was so much fun breaking down this awesome season for NC State. Some people are giving them nine. I'm giving them 10, KG. That, that should have been a forfeit. UCLA wasn't ready to go. They, they did all the activities. They did all the events. I think it's a forfeit. Five hours before the game, count as a dub. 10 wins. NC State, awesome victory, awesome year. Uh, and really, the, the most intriguing thing to me of that conversation, outside of all of it, it was all fantastic, Joe. Thank you for your time, um, was the quarterback conversation. And just yeah. hearing his thoughts um, and, and seeing the weirdest thing was how pit-related this episode became. I mean, when you look at Devin Leary, you look at his career, you look at his progression, the fact that he's going into year three of the offense, just like Kenny was this past year, the fact that the run game wasn't what it needs to be, exactly like it was for NC State, exactly like it was in 20 for Pitt. And now how can that change? What growth are we going to see? How much ownership are we going to see where, you know, Devin's just out there playing with kids. I mean, at the end of the day, I think that's what it really could look like. I cannot wait to kind of do my breakdown, my my top five for quarterbacks, because it's going to be fascinating. This league is loaded. Everybody's back. And it, it's going to be very interesting to see where these guys end up. It's going to be difficult. That's going to be tough to do. It is going to be five. difficult. Can't wait for Twitter to, to just absolutely roast me for whatever I put out. I mean, nothing exactly. I do is going to be correct. Of course. But, you know, the NC State pit parallel, I really had not thought about that. And so I thought that was so interesting. And you could even argue, NC, if we're saying 2020 pit and 2021 pit, 2021 NC State is better than 2020 pit. So what is the no ceiling question. for 2022 NC State? That's that that's going to be fascinating. And then I was surprised. Like I know Joe, he definitely when he's breaking down ACC football, he's an NC State grad, but he takes off the red glasses. He's going to tell you how it is. The fact that he he's like I'm just going to default to Clemson. I thought that was really interesting. I thought that he would say, you know, I'm not sure yet. We'll see, but I think NC State should deserve a little more respect in the Atlantic conversation, but I do get his point. I think, you know, Dabo loves to use the disrespect card. And when it's actually real, then it's even more potent when when Clemson feels like they're doubted. And a lot of it will come down to the quarterback position, as we know. But that surprised me, Mac, that he didn't give NC State a little more of a chance, at least as of now in January, to win the Atlantic. But we will see how that unfolds. Let me just tell you this. If Clemson is not picked to win, look out. I mean, these guys, the motivation they're going to have, the boost that they're going to have, it, if it's going to be nuts. Not it's going to be win, nuts. They're going to be mad. I already saw that. I, mean, I already saw. I've already seen the best time that they could have. They weren't able to get it done. I'm just, I, NC State, I love you. Don't listen to that. I, we're friends. We're friends. So, <laughs> KG, it's going to be interesting to see. It's going to be really interesting to see. I think the Atlantic is going to be extremely strong next year. The, the, the thing is, is it going to can, cannibalize itself? That'll be the interesting thing. We can talk Atlantic for so long, I feel like, because it's like, okay, if – NC State beats Clemson, if Clemson beats Wake, if Boston College beats one of them, then it's like, okay, none of these teams are any good. That, that's going to be the default that the rest of America wants to say, and it, it's so mind-blowing. But I think the where you can make the big difference is when you go out of conference, you have to win those games. You have to beat Mississippi State. You have to beat the Georgias, the Carolinas, the uh, Notre Dame. Certainly everybody seems like they're playing Notre Dame. Um, so, so you have to take care of business outside of the conference. And I think that's how you can really, you know, make, make a statement. It's a great point, Mac. And yeah, if Clemson loses a game or NC state loses to a good BC team or wake loses to Clemson or whatever, 
if these teams handle their business in the non-conference, I mean, think about it. If NC State would have beaten Mississippi State, I know Peyton Wilson got hurt, so that was a that was a tough game to come, a tough injury to bounce back from mid-game. But if they had beaten NC State or beaten Mississippi State, excuse me, they're ten they're ten and two, they're ten and two, and that was a very winnable game for them. So handling your business in the non-conference, it's always a big sticking point for the ACC. But I think for the Atlantic to get the respect it deserves, it's going to be more important than ever in twenty two. No question about it. Guys, as we are right in the middle of ACC under review, so much fun, so much great input from you guys, and I hope we continue kind of this streak here as we roll through the ACC. But that's it. Thank you for listening. Another great episode of Gramlich and McLean brought to you by our friends over at Duke's Mayo. If you haven't already, go over to iTunes, follow our podcast, drop us a little five-star rating or write us a review. We will greatly appreciate that. But until next time, we'll see you all.